0: We've reached the tail end of the letter of James and it's been such a blessing um, to, to look at this let- letter over the last, I think it's been like three years. We've um, been going through it bi-weekly, haven't we? And it's been such a blessing just to look at how practical this letter is, how it speaks to us as Christians, how we should live our lives, how we should live in faith and how we should live by our faith. But before we look at the overall picture that James paints inspired by the Holy Spirit, we need to first look at his final words. What does he have to say to us? It's often stated that a person's final words are very important. They want to communicate something to leave a lasting, something that you would remember, something that would stick in your minds. And so we find here In James, he he wants to leave us with something tangible to hold on to, something to to give you, something, a purpose, why you should follow Christ. The reason why we shouldn't quit in the face of trials and temptations, in the face of sin, our contending against the sin in our lives, why we shouldn't quit. And also our hope in this assured security that we have in Christ. Every believer has in Christ. There can be no letting of guards down as a Christian, can there? Every day that you awake is a day of battle, it's a warfare. The battlefield is right at your doorstep. As soon as you wake up, you can't be caught snoozing. There is no snoozing as a Christian. You can't afford to slumber. And the warfare that we are engaging with is the warfare of truth. Every born, everyone born of a woman, everyone that's a human being, everyone. We face each day the battle of sin, the battle of the truth. Do you live for God or do you live for self? Do you live for God or do you live for the world? And so there's only ever two camps. A camp of belonging to God or the camp of walking in the way of the world, the way of self, the way that leads to destruction. The world's truth is subjective, but there's only one true truth, and that's God Himself, the true and everlasting God. As we've heard in the sermon last week, didn't we? We heard about the triumphant victory of a Christian. How we are victorious in Christ. And a truly converted Christian cannot be possessed by evil. Cannot be possessed by the wicked demons. But we do know that there are points in a Christian's life that we do wander away from the truth. We stray away. And James has always reminded us how there are internal pressures as well as external. The desires within and those things that are outside that do not allow us to walk according to God's truth. There was a time when your life is not in line with the truth that you know, the truth that you read, the truth that you hear and the pull of what is sin and what is false seems like it overcomes us. It seems like it draws us away from the liberating truth of God. And this is where we want to begin this morning. If you read with me again, chapter 5, verse 19 to 20 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. If we look at that first point on your handout this morning, it says Christians can wander from the truth. Christians can wander from the truth. We need to define what truth is. What is truth? A helpful definition will put this context in perspective and help us to know what we're looking at so we can then apply God's word to our lives. When we look back to to chapter 1, verse 18, which says, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of First fruits of his creatures. And then we look when we fast forward to chapter 3, verse 14, it says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. It's the same Greek word here. Same Greek word in both verses, the truth as the literal sense of that which contains nothing hidden. Nothing hidden. It is not concealed. It is laid bare, open, naked. It is expressed or seen as it truly is. As it really is. There is no pretense. There is no falsehood. No fake news. It's the good news that brings forth salvation. It's the good news. And so in chapter 3, verse 14 also, it is those things that we do that is forced to the truth hidden ambitions, selfish desires that may stay hidden for a while, but nothing stays hidden before God. The truth always comes out. Whatever may be hidden from others cannot be hidden from the true and living God. And so with these two helpful verses, James reminds us here again about this unconcealed truth. And so we learn three important truths, as it were. Truth is, a, is certain Truth is objective. Truth is not subjective like many in the culture believe today. Truth is a standard, a spiritual, moral compass. Truth is active, it's never passive. When it's embraced and understood, it changes and transforms hearts. But there's something innate in all of us. Sin was susceptible from wandering away from the truth that we know. And here lies the heart of James in verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, he's addressing believers. He's addressing you and I, saying, my brothers, listen to this. He's closing words as a pastor in Jerusalem He's seeking to feed the sheep. These Christians have been dispersed across the land. And he's telling them, be careful from wandering away from the truth. It's a dangerous situation to be in. But who is doing the wandering here? Who is straying away? The question is debated by many. But it is clear that I believe that the reference here is the body of Christ. The body of Christ sometimes do straight away from the truth. And so this is for serious consideration for us all seated here today. If you're in the faith, are you living by the faith? Are you living by the truth that, that you know? See, when we look, think of what, uh, that statement in First John that talks about they they went out from us because they were not of us it's just a slightly different angle here and james is telling us that christians do wander they stray away but how do you know sometimes we when, when how do you know someone is wandering away you can't often tell you you not you can't see people's hearts it's impossible We are to consider brothers and sisters amongst us who love God, but due to one reason or the other, they, they found themselves straying away. They are backsliding from the visible church of God. And so when James writes, if any of you, this includes every professing Christian, if any of you, bring a brother back. verse 19 to 20 in totality makes it clear that there is hope through repentance bringing back for the forgiveness of sins and saving of souls from death what is happening when Christians wander away from the truth the Greek word to wander is plano which is the word where we get plane aeroplane that roaming that travelling away And it describes a wandering, a straying, and and it, it gives us even the word planet. The word means literally made to wander, and so to go in that active sense, being led away, being led astray. But here, there's an angle to it that we need to consider, this passive sense of the word, which indicates an outward influence causing the deception that leads one down the wrong path. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know that this, there is this wandering away, this pulling away, you want to do the right thing. You know the truth, but your heart and the weakness draws you sometimes to falsehood. We are prone to wander, prone to walk away, as the song says. But we must be clear what we mean by the truth. There's only one truth. There's only one truth and that's the truth of Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Came from the Father. Father of all lights. Full of grace and truth. Grace and truth has come through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. The spirit of truth guides every believer into all truth. The truth sanctifies. The word of God is what sanctifies a truly converted heart. The Lord is near to those who pray and call upon him in truth. The belt of truth holds that spiritual garment that we have in Christ together. True worshippers of God must worship in spirit and in truth. And so if indeed the truth of God resides in you, why do you stray? If the truth of God lies within me, why do I stray? What is going on? What is taking our focus away from God? Why should we turn? Why do we turn from the author of our salvation? Is life not meant to be easy and smooth, sailing for those that love Christ? For those who are called according to his purposes? Who can stand against a child of God, we might ask? What can separate us from the love of God? Ah, the Christian journey as it struggles. That walk up to the spiritual Zion, is not easy. It's a rocky road, a tough road. There are sticky points and spots along the way. The rough terrain. The potential slips, the stumbles, the cuts, the bruises by the world, and even other believers. There are many opportunities to quit along the way. The living, how we live, is not often consistent with what we know of the truth, the gospel of peace. Why do we stray from the truth? Glance with me at the verses we've touched on in the past few weeks, verse 13 to 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And so James gives us the foundations for verse 19 to 20, here by saying these things. What does he say? Why do we stray from the truth? Christians live lives that are not in line with what they profess because of five main reasons he gives us. We stray from the truth because verse 13 says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Suffering causes us to stray sometimes. Impatience in suffering. The pain, the anguish of suffering. Unwilling to wait. It's difficult in times of suffering. We're asking God to move in that situation. But we can't often see his hand guiding us. It's tough. Suffering feels inconsistent with the pleasures that we're meant to enjoy in Christ. The Bible says there are pleasures evermore. Where is the pleasure in suffering? And so it's difficult. And so when we put ourselves in the shoes of these early Christians, imagine all the comfort that you have. Your car, your staple diet, your phone, your TV, your computer games, nowhere to be found. Why? There were enemies pursuing you. Persecutions coming your way. You're driven from everything that you've known. You and your family have had to be uprooted from your livelihood. Why? Because they pledged their allegiance to God. They pledged their allegiance to Jesus. They said, goodbye world, I stay no longer with you. I made up my mind to follow Jesus. Persecution came. Suffering came. Suffering for us also may come in the way of persecution. We may face suffering for many different reasons. Sometimes our sins cause us to suffer. Suffering can make us stray away from the truth. Deep wounds cause deep pain. And often there is no way to turn to. Who can empathise with what you're going through? It feels like you are all alone. And so slowly and surely, you become frustrated in your circumstances, looking for help. You may even become angry at God. Why is this happening? Indifference sets in. And you no longer value the fellowship of believers. And indeed, you run away from God's people, from God himself. Brothers and sisters, God's plan for every suffering believer is to find comfort in his presence. There's nowhere else to experience true joy that comes in every form and every type of trial. Not that you won't cry, not that it won't gripe you and hurt you when you go through suffering, but it produces a sense of steadfastness. It draws you closer to Christ, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, it draws us closer and near to him. And so sometimes suffering is the way in which God removes the wheat and separates the wheat from the chaffs. A sifting that reveals the true Christ-exalting heart. Not only that, but in suffering we should learn what is true. Our God will not forsake us. He is a steadfast rock. He is the king of kings. He is our fortress. Sometimes in suffering, there are no good friends to be found. In fact, they sometimes run away. Those activities, sometimes that you could not live without, begin to seem so meaningless. True Christians never suffer in vain. The Bible says the the light momentary affliction is preparing a heavenly and eternal gain, an eternal weight of glory that you can't fathom. All suffering is transient, but truth, the truth is revealed in Christ himself. Christ will not leave you alone. And so number two, reason why we stray away, Verse 13 says, is anyone cheerful? Let him praise. Let him, let him sing praise. See, when things are going well in those times of abundance or in great blessings, we forget our maker. We forget our maker. We, we forget that he is the giver and we focus on the gifts and do not give him praise. The one, the one himself that has given us all blessings, all spiritual blessings, all spiritual gifts. God wants us to give him the praise. See, an ungrateful attitude is what's caused, what caused the prodigal son to walk away. He, he had it all. He had every blessing with his father. But he wasn't grateful for those blessings or those gifts. And that's what drew him away. His his attitude became one of a wandering person seeking the pleasure, seeking pleasure in the wrong places. Sometimes we can be like this. How often do you thank God for what he's given to you, for what you have, for your friends, for your wisdom, for your gifts, for your ability, for your work? They don't belong to us. It's all given to us by God. And so we are stewards of these things, and they can be taken away at any moment. And so true praise must be birthed out of a grateful heart. Number three, sickness draws us away from God, causes us to wander away from the truth. It is a real test of your walk with God as to whether you trust in Him to sustain you in times of sickness, because all questions, all sorts of questions, are raised. Will God heal you? Can He heal you? If God can heal, why why would He choose not to heal? Does God even understand the pain that I'm experiencing? See, our focus slowly shifts from God to that very ailment, that disease or sickness. It's almost like God is not near us anymore. In those moments of weakness, it can seem like the strength that you had is slowly draining away. I remember reading about Timothy Keller when he had pancreatic cancer, diagnosed recently, like two years ago. He said that he only understood God as a healer when he began to go through sickness himself. He preached about healing. God heals. But when he faced the situation, that's when he had to remind himself of God's truth because it wasn't so easy can preach it but when you experience it it's something different and then he needed to remind himself and comfort himself with God's truth that he is Jehovah Rapha he might not heal here on earth but he will take away our diseases he surely will It's as sure as his resurrection that is a sound and sure statement and so number four unconfessed sins It's a very dangerous ground. Unconfessed sins, they they are hidden. They destroy our lives. They have the potential to destroy our lives. Whatever is done in in the darkness will be revealed in due course. But in the meantime, before that exposure, sin corrupts us, causes us to sin even more. Leads down this road of wandering away. Enticing us, thinking that we can receive pleasures that never satisfy. They never satisfy. So why do we do it? It weakens our walk with God, hinders our praise. And so James encourages us to confess our sins to each other, that we may be forgiven. And fifth reason why we may stray from the truth is we don't live by the truth. This truth underpins everything else. We don't live by the truth. See, growing and knowing and obeying God's word, meditating on God's word, prayer, gratitude, adoration. All of these things are important, but we need to live it out. We we don't just read and study and hear God's word to store it. We walk it out. We work it out by the help of God. We need an active relationship with God. When we know and we get to know one another as brothers and sisters or in a marriage setting or with children, we speak to one another, don't we? We draw close to one another. We we find out what's important to them. And so in the same way, what's important in our relationship with God? God wants us to understand him. We can't understand him fully, but his word has revealed him to us. Let's grow in that. Let's grow in walking in the truth. We can't be stagnant as Christians. If we are not growing in the the truth, we'll only backslide. There is no sitting on the fence as a Christian. You're either in the battle or you're not. It's the truth. And so this is what James wants us to remember clearly. That true faithful Christians live by the truth they hear. The truth they read and the truth they know. And so this is our second point this morning. Christians live by the truth. It's a wonderful quote of C.S. Lewis that says, Christians are Christ's body, the organism through which he works. I like that word organism. Why? It speaks of parts of the body of Christ. It speaks of purpose. That each organ in a physical body, in a spiritual body, has its function as a role to play but most importantly it speaks of a living body the body of Christ is living it's active we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it's God that works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure the church is the physical representation of Jesus and so the church, that is every true believer, moves and has it been in Christ as, as it were. The church works for Jesus Christ's good pleasure. And so with this in mind, let's read again verse 19 to 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death. And will cover a multitude of sins. This verse is laced with gospel truths. What does James mean? And someone brings him back. What does he mean? How can someone save another person's soul from death and cover their many sins? Well, simply the answer to the first question is that you and I, you and I. Are that someone? You and I, that brothers and sisters, that someone here needs you. They need you in order to return to the truth. God works in and through his people. And so Christians are Christ's body, the organisms <coughs> through which he works. We've been given such a wonderful responsibility as Christians, to avail ourselves to the purposes of God, to be part of his work of salvation, to be part of God's workmanship created for good works. What works are we talking about? Works here to bring back a brother and sister that is backsliding, that have lost their way. Those who have been enticed by worldly ways, ears that have been tickled by false teaching. Eyes that have lost it and been drawn away by by sin. Sinners who have grown weary of God's purposes. Pleasure seekers that have lost their joy in Christ. These Christ has called you to. We have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. You've been called, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15, you've been called to spread the fragrance of the knowledge of him to others that are falling away. You are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are to be instruments in the hands of the almighty God to wield repentance in the heart of man. Every believer has this calling. This is not just a calling to the elder of the church or pastor. It's not just to say, oh, that's for pastor to do. This is for every true believer to bring someone back. Someone is every brother and sister in Christ. This is your responsibility to seek that sister that has not been to church for a few weeks now. Or that brother that you know is struggling with discouraging illness. Or that person who has fallen into terrible sin. What is your response? Will you go about your business thinking, oh well, that's that's not for me. I'm too busy. We must live by faith. We must live out the truth of God. Now, before we look fully at how this ministry of reconciliation is worked out by Christ through us, we need to know what qualifies someone to bring a soul back to the truth. We must know the truth ourselves, we must know the gospel. The gospel must permeate our hearts must be our life we must seek to dwell and engage with God in his presence every day so that we are immersed in knowing his truth the truth must overcome every aspect of our lives it must change us that's the only way we can bring someone back to God we can bring someone back who has wandered away from the truth. And so, early this year, I think back at a fellow that was in, in, near where I worked who, or sadly, had wandered away in the middle of the night. And there was a search party to look for him. And so, as I c- contemplated this, I, I realised that there's something spiritual about this. When someone wanders away, there is a search party that goes on and people are eager to find that loved person, that loved one. And so when we think about us as spiritual beings, as Christians, when someone is wandering away from the truth, it should stir us up to be part of that search party. We must be part of it. The truth must be immersed in our hearts to know that that person is of the Lord, that the Lord should draw us to them, to find them, to give them a call, to seek them out. Are you part of that search party? Are you growing in knowing the living God and living by his word? Are you rooted in the truth? When the storms of life blow, are you anchored in Christ? Are you living in such a way that you make time for others to know them? So when they are wandering away, you are aware that they are. When they are drifting away, you are close enough to be able to minister and to talk and to guide them. It's all about community. Community. Can you encourage others in the truth of God? If you're not immersed in the truth of God yourself, when the time comes, how can you encourage someone to draw back? To not, Don't touch, that's dangerous, bro. If you're not immersed in the truth yourself, are you looking only at your weakness? I can't go out to Broadway. I find it difficult on the phone to talk to people. I've got no time, I'm so busy. Those are sometimes our weaknesses. I share those weaknesses. We don't boast in our weaknesses. We boast in Christ. Who helps us in our weakness. Are you only thinking about your own cares? About your own worries? About your own pleasures? Or do you want to be part of that search party? Something is great. Something great is at stake here. Someone's soul is at stake. Souls at our stake. Spiritual death is knocking on the door of sinners. Will you just watch and let them go by and live by the truth that they know? This falsehood that they've they've claimed and cling to. Or would you remind them of the truth of Christ? We've been called to that great commission. Brothers and sisters. And so finally, as I close, how is this ministry of reconciliation worked in and through believers? The Psalm of David that we read earlier on, Psalm 51, says this Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence, O God. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and uphold a right spirit within me that is the restoration that we need to be part of we need to be restored ourselves we need to know Christ ourselves we must know the truth we must know the restoration work of Christ in us that we've been made new that we've been cleansed been washed of our sins The old man has been put away. Christ has clothed us with his righteousness. That he is our true and living God. That Christ has come to save sinners. That we were not so lovely. But he loved us despite of our sins. We were former enemies of his. But he has made us to be his own children. We ourselves wandered away. We were in spiritual exile. But we were brought to life by God himself. But the spirit of regeneration has given us a new heart. Has cleansed us and washed us clean. Made us white as snow. And so we can say, thank you, God. Then and only then can we say as David then goes on in Psalm fifty-one, thirteen, to say, then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. You can only bring back a sinner when you yourself know the truth and are walking in the truth. How else can you see the falsehood someone is walking in? How can you teach God's ways if you're not aware of his ways? How will a sinner return? We must know the truth of the Gospel. We must know what we've been saved from. Our righteousness were like filthy rags, the Bible says, but He cleansed us and washed us clean. And so David, knowing that he had gone through this ordeal with Bathsheba. He'd sinned before God. Sinned only before God. He'd sinned against, yes, a human being, someone that's made in the image of God, but ultimately sinned before God. But who did God use as someone to bring him back? The prophet Nathan. God used his person, his man of God. God uses you and I to bring back someone that's wandering away from the truth. David only saw his sins when he was rebuked by Nathan. And then David was then able to say, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan was then able to say, the Lord has put away your sins. You shall not die. see, J.C. Ryle says this. Good friends are among our greatest blessings. They keep us from much evil and quicken us in our course. They speak a word in season, draw us upward and draw us on. Are you that friend, brothers and sisters? Are you that Christian that seeks to look out for your brother and sister in Christ? The gospel saves. Jesus saves. Jesus works in and through believers, brothers and sisters. The call to share the gospel is to witness to believers and the unsaved. We all need the gospel. We all need the gospel. And there is no salvation, the Bible says, in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Are you looking for the truth? here to this, this morning? Are you looking for the truth that satisfies? Are you looking for the truth that is a sure foundation? Are you looking for the truth that will build you up? Are you looking for the truth that gives eternal life? Are you looking for the truth that never fails? That is steadfast? That is consistent? Are you looking for the truth that is just? That is righteous? That is full of grace and truth? That truth is Jesus Christ himself. No other name by which you must be saved. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, let us take seriously the call to share the gospel. Maybe look for someone today who you haven't heard from in a while. Give them a call. Someone that's unwell, give them a call. Be part of that search party. family of God, if you see someone wandering from the truth, seek to bring them back. Know this, that God works through his church, the body of Christ, to bring back sinners from wandering from the truth, that their multitude of sins may be forgiven, covered by the blood of Jesus, that they may not die, that they may not die spiritually, but be given the newness of life, that they may hope in Christ again. Whatever it is that's causing that wandering, we don't know. We may not know. But be part of that search party that seeks to draw people to know more and more about Jesus Christ that you know. Seek to know Him yourself. Know Him crucified. Know His power. Know His love. Know His faithfulness. In every situation, in every trial, To find your joy in him. He is a joy from above. He is the wisdom from above. He is the Lord of truth. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the mighty redeemer. He is the great king himself. The truth brings salvation. Amen.